Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation time for driven radio show i'll tell all your neighbors we're back <laughs> and then run hey all the you gearheads and gas holes cool i got him early in the show <laughs> welcome to driven radio your weekly automotive happy hour i am brett hatfield here with our engineer and la- our <laughs> un- laugh track human un- laugh uncontrollable track. <laughs> laugh track mr mark Groves, Yo. <laughs> and the evil genius of craving cars on youtube mr Corey pratt <laughs> There you go. All right. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in beautiful Overland Park, Kansas. And it really was pretty out today. It's been really nice. It's been a good week. Yeah. Past few days, actually, have been just kind of getting progressively better and better. I know you when you show up in a jacket and helmet. It's been a nice day. Uh, Yeah. Pick a day. It's been. I have found a reason to go out at lunchtime. Uh I need to make a round of uh, the thing up there. Something (laughs) that can fit my backpack. (laughs) I'm so happy we've infected you with that. It's wonderful. You can find us online at Driven Radio show.com and read the driven.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at driven radio show and listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard we don't do the list anymore and i think there are probably grateful people for it and <laughs> the first one's mark <laughs> you're you, not wrong <laughs> if you like what you're hearing leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to tell your gearhead friends because we love to everybody likes a big party Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody likes a bigger party. And gearheads are funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you aren't wrong, mister. <laughs> they could be, like, totally serious and mean-ass when you're talking about something, and they tell that you have no clue what you're talking about. I'm familiar with that. And then there's also times they're just hilarious. They'll just stick it to you. <laughs> If you like what you are hearing, leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to tell your gearhead friends. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, someone you think we ought to be talking to, please drop us a line at brett at read the driven red. Brett, 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 at Brett, 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 at Brett, 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 at Brett, 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 Cinco de Cat Taco. (laughs) Cinco de Fat Tongue. So, folks, there you go. Even I have trouble getting through this, and we've done the same intro more times than I can count. (laughs) Holy mackerel. What have you been doing to this week? Guys, please, somebody else talk quick. (laughs) Well, uh, as a matter of fact, there's been a couple things I was up to this last weekend. Originally... I was going down to Bagnell Dam. If yeah, anybody's not around here, that's in the, the Ozark area of Missouri. It's an awesome place where they have a show called the Magic Dragon Street Meet. Thousand cars. They 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 cut it off of three quarters of a mile of a thousand cars going on both sides of the street and in the middle. And it's a it, really it, cool time. And that's meat spelled M E E T. What's near go? What's the nearest town? Uh, Bagnell Dam. Bagnell Dam. Uh, Osage Beach. Osage Beach. There we go. Yeah, like okay. the Ozarks. It's all that yeah. kind of. There you go. However, I didn't make it down there uh, because a couple of the things popped up. Not to mention it was my daughter's birthday party. 
uh, who just turned 20, so I had to be there for that, too. Oh, happy but, You have yeah, a sweetie. 20-year-old daughter? And a 21-year-old. You're old. I started when I was eight. Yeah, you would have to. <laughs> Come on, I'm not that bad. So there was two things. Uh, I got called upon uh, kind of a little uh, kind of a charity deal, and they called it Teddy's Last Drive. And the reason for that was it was supposed to be on a Saturday. Is a seven-year-old boy who – Teddy – actually, who had yes. a neurological disorder, um, like disease kind of thing. And to be honest, his life was dwindling to nothing. They actually bumped it up because his health turn, took a turn for the worst. Oh, yeah. We did it on Friday. Um, we had our friend Ped there uh, taking pictures of the event for memories for um, the family. Um, I was there doing a little bit of video. I put a little video. It is on Craving Cars on YouTube. So you can take a look at that. Um, and uh, he ended up passing away on Sunday. Oh man! Wow! Oh, um, the day I got a message from his mother. She you guys says, did it though. You made away. it. You, you freaking made it, yeah. and I am so yeah. happy about that. And it was all good the first you, responders, police, uh, fire, ambulance. That's why so, he had so many pictures of cops behind him. Yep. Usually with Ped, that just means it's Saturday. <laughs> but yeah, that's just because he's got a client's car that he was having too much fun in. Right? Yeah, right. he stole somebody's nine eleven, and oh look, police. Yeah, yeah. So there's, <laughs> right a, there's a lot of wrong that. speed. <laughs> so the, the mother really thanked all of us for for being part of that that she can look back and see the memories and stuff so, yeah that is well good on you for getting that yes so, amen and the other thing uh with that i got invited on this last sunday at uh, the ron cherry foundation who's a former Ooh. cheese player yes uh from mostly the 80s uh like 80s and early 80s to early 90s i think yeah yeah so anyways <laughs> um he has a foundation basically just to sum up what his foundation does is um he helps families out so we did the the reindeer run we did last December was to help some uh, families out for Christmas presents. We yeah. had this big, long parade of cars like reindeer with Santa behind us and all. Well, this time uh, it was uh, – he had a fundraiser um, at the Chicken and Pickle. Chicken and North Pickle? Kansas. Chicken and Pickle. Well, it's like a pickleball thing. So they don't – they don't really sell pickles. Is it up north of uh, KC? Yes, it is. North, that one? North Kansas okay. City. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know right where it is. I'm so, unfamiliar with it. You're going to have to show so me. So they do kind of a fundraiser thing. and But this time they gave a car away oh, wow. to a veteran in need that had a family came back um, from overseas, uninjured, good, but he had to walk over two miles to work each way, oh. every day Okay, that he went to work. So they're helping him out. They got him a car. Now nice. they can get the family around when need to and emergencies and, and to work back and forth. So that's what I was there for. That video more than likely will be out before this comes out. So Always glad we'll to have hear about people helping at that vets. Very oh, good. amen. Yep. It's very cool. How about you, mister? I know you've been pushing that two-wheeler around. Yeah, I've been, I've been rolling my bicycle. Uh, I went down <laughs> south uh, on Saturday because in ooh, ooh, uh, yeah. Fairgrove, Missouri, there was a trailer. And... Um, I, oh, yeah. I'm gonna start. I'm, I'm gonna start blaming me, okay? Because something is wrong with me in picking things. Well, it was owned by a preacher. I was about to say the same Holy crap! <laughs> no, no, that is too funny that you just said that and that just gelled. Yes, it was owned by a preacher. No, this kid was selling no, it for his like dad. No, that's like the fourth or fifth preacher that's lied to you. It, well, I, I think it was the kid kind of presenting it a little different. Mm. He's like, "Yeah, my dad took great care of it." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I'll come down. You know, I'll drop a, I'll drop a K note on that uh, if it's in good condition. Get down there, and you know, both of the uh, the tail lights are snapped off because obviously they've stood it up and let, then let it fall over the wrong mm. direction. And I can even handle that. I'm like, "Oh, that's seventy, eighty dollar kit. I'll, I'll figure something out." And I'm looking this thing all over, and it is a little rusty. And that's when I noticed on the fenders there, the the arms, two arms that come up and hold the fenders up, except the arms are all different. And I'm taking a closer Mm. look, and it's got crappier welding than I think I could do. 
That's not oh, possible. Oh, dear. <laughs> Shut up. That's not possible. I didn't know you welded. I thought you just made holes. Well, it, it, it was melty, lumpy metal. Sheet metal screws. Yeah. <laughs> Pop rivets and love. Pop rivets uh, and love. And even like one of them, uh, one of the things looked like it had been a piece of rebar that they had, a uh, good thick rebar that they'd welded in and then, you know, painted black. <laughs> to look like the rest of it. Well, and so it none of the arms matched. And the more I looked at it and the way it was kind of banged up, there's a hitch that comes down and drops down that's a, a leg to hold up the front part of the hitch. Mm-hmm. And the thing that that holds it in is kind of bent. You can tell it's been rebent back in this. And I was like, you know what? No, cannot do. And, but I have family down there, huh. so it wasn't a wasted trip. I got to see family and hang out okay. and have some fun. That's it was good. That was a. It was actually a very nice well, day. I'm starting to think you should only buy from rabbis. <laughs> Uh, if if there's any motorcycle cause, riding cause the preachers rabbis, have been lying their butts off, dude, to you. it's that. You I, I didn't even put two and two together until you said that. I'm like, oh my god, that's right. You basically just said, what's your uh, religion preference? Oh, I'm atheist. Great, I'm coming right down. <laughs> that's who are seculars no. I can work with. Uh, it, no, agnostic. And, ag- <laughs> and, and, and agnostic is an atheist in his 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but after that, you know, I came back and then Sunday I rode around and I've been riding uh, out at lunch every time. I, like uh, Tuesday, I went up to a, a local place mm. uh, right yeah. now, Power Sports. I decided that, you know, I, and God bless you up there at Shawnee Mission Cycle, but it's a fur piece. It is. And uh, um, I got I got I got locals that I can I can uh, support in my own hometown. So. Again, we've got that there enclosed go. trailer. It is home. If you need to take the bike anywhere for any reason, and you don't think it's, you know, the tires aren't going to get there or whatever, yeah. we'll load it up and tow it. Oh, rock and roll! And I don't I don't care where you're taking it. You could be going to North Kansas City. That's fine with me. Uh, I I uh, I I've had so much fun writing it, and I am careful. And I will. Uh, I've got the seafoam in it right now to try to figure out that 4K hesitation. I'm guessing that you just got some old gummy yeah. gas in there. I just got to run it through. It's yeah, uh, yeah, it just needs a. And that's what the guy actually little, said. Uh, little tension. Uh, the guy I talked to at Right Now Power Sports. Uh, I told him about it because I'm like, I, I'm probably gonna have to get my carburetor, mm-hmm. you know, fixed, and I'm re- getting ready to shell out four or five hundred for that because I watched the video on. It, I'm like, that is a hot freaking mess to get to. <laughs> Guys who know how to do it, yeah, God bless him. You're my yeah. heroes. <laughs> it's it's not like you and me, the two baboons oh, holding boxing ranches going yeah. after stuff. <laughs> Where's my ten millimeter? Where's yeah. my ten millimeter? But uh, pros have 17 of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was kind of funny because I went in to get the seafoam. And as I walked through the aisle where all the socket sets are, guess uh-huh. what one was missing? 10 mil. 10 mil. Always a 10 mil. <laughs> it made me it's giggle. Always a 10 mil. But uh, so I'm, I'm running the seafoam through. Got three of those to go through. And I'll, I should have new tires in about a week and a half. Dude, that's cool. And I am looking forward to pedaling that thing all around. Well, Racetrack, for, fortunately, we you know other people who have two-wheeled vehicles. Who will go along with you? Rock and roll. How about you? So, yes. So, uh, do tell. Last yes. Thursday, Come on. Come on. Rhonda and I threw some bags in the back of a little red Corvette. We drove down to McPherson. We went to the Cars show at McPherson College and then went to <gasps> the barbecue at Luke Channel's afterward. So did you get through all the cows on the oh, grill? Oh, good Lord, yes. And in my infinite wisdom, I wore a white button-down shirt. <gasps> you are ridiculous. Wait a minute. Did and you I, do this and I, got well? th- and I got through it with minimal staining. I was about to say. Maximal, yeah. Maximum perspiration. <laughs> How did and you not get sausage splat I, I may 
possibly have been slightly a little bit overserved. But you know, Budweiser <laughs> displaces perspiration well. Well, yeah, it's all about your coolant. <laughs> yes. I mean, you got to keep yes. the, the right amount of. And I, I probably <laughs> should have been treated for smoke inhalation as well. Oh, no doubt. Uh, we cooked brisket, we cooked pulled pork, we cooked oh. ribs, we cooked sausage and dogs and burgers and just, it was. Oh, Is there a oh, type good. of meat you didn't cook? No. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I did my fingers about medium rare. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they felt a little crispy around oh, the edges. Yeah. A little barbecue sauce? No, but no, no, no. right before that, yeah. if you guys will remember last week, I was on Bring a Trailer. I yeah. I chased my Nassau Blue Corvette really hard, and I missed winning it by one bid, mm. and I was really frustrated. But me being me... And, and you are you. I had looked up several backup Nassau Blue Corvettes <laughs> in case I didn't backup. win of this one. Multiple ones. And I took a closer look at one of my backups, decided that it was good, and bought it. Oh, my God. Judgy. That is so awesome. I bought one. A little I bought one. And so <laughs> now nice. awesome. So now when I drool over a Nassau Blue Corvette convertible, it'll be one I own. Nice. Now, the gentleman is traveling on business. We haven't wrapped things up yet, and I'm still trying to talk Luke He's Channel. He's a preacher, in. is he? I'm, I, I, <laughs> no, he was a periodontist. Uh, I'm still trying to talk Luke, Luke Channel into flying out to pick this up with me, and it's in Northern California, but flying out there, grabbing the car, and driving home. I'm really hoping for a better result than the Bradley GT trip. You're probably going to have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you have to start with a much, with a less crappy fiberglass car. <laughs> and we are. That would make for some really cool videos. And th this that. one had a rotisserie restoration about four years ago. It's a really, really oh pretty car. And it is very clean. It's I've blue over blue with yep. a white top. Side pipes and knockoff wheels and the high horse 327 and I'm smitten. <laughs> and here's the weird thing. You know, the Impala is a custom car. Yeah. Completely custom, custom paint job. Never seen another one like it. And I went and looked for die cast models of that car. And I found a couple that were real close and just needed a Sharpie to add the black stripe. Yeah. Nobody makes a stinking Nassau blue Corvette convertible die cast model. There isn't one out there. I finally found one of a 66 Nassau blue with a white interior, but it's discontinued and it's $700. Ho! Oh, oh. Seven zero zero dollars Go to wow. Troy's Toys over off 119th next to Talk of the Town. Okay. And uh, Troy's Toys is chock full of uh, every vehicle you can imagine. I, I'm going to have to go I've been this look. close to buying like you know $400 worth of vehicles there. And I'm like, Mark, oh, what the wow. hell are you thinking? You've got tires you got to buy. I even have a die cast of my 63 Impala convertible that I sold in the color spot on. Oh, wow. So why should... Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I, I'm going to get off Sons on of terror. Oh, they, God. They, <laughs> listen, dear. <laughs> uh and the funny thing was, in 65 and 66, Nassau Blue was the most common Corvette color. They made more of those than anything else. So I kind of figured really? there would be one out there. There's not. Nobody's got them. Screw you, Brett. Hey, this week in the news, California doesn't want your classic car to shine. The racing world loses an icon and a really cool one. A dream home for car lovers is on the market uh, if you got more money than God. And the next Corvette Z06 is being benchmarked against some of Europe's best. Our special guest this week is... 
hey, we got to switch. You know, we usually have John Kramen on before these things. Right. I, I grabbed another guy from Meekum. I got oh, sweet. Uh, Meekum Auctions Chief Operating Officer. Why he took time for us, I'll never know, but the gentleman's name is Sam Murtaugh. <laughs> Sam will be here to discuss his meteor, meteoric rise with, through the ranks at Meekum, what's driving the collector car market, and what we can expect at the Meekum sale in Indy later this month. It's just a week and a half away. Oh, my gosh. By the time the show airs, a week away. And that's that big auction I went to last year where they sold <sighs> off all the Cole Shelby stuff. Oh, yeah. They yeah. have so many collections going through on this auction. Going to be really cool. Uh, let's take a look at this week's news. From Hemmings.com, California chrome industry expects severe disruption from proposed carb hex chrome ban. In other words, California, say goodbye to shiny. Yeah, take your bumper and stick it. It's a proposed ban on hexavalent chromium that would effectively kill the chrome refinishing business throughout the state. California Air Resources Board, or CARB, is pushing for replacing hexavalent chromium with trivalent chromium, a more environmentally friendly alternative. Now, the difference between the two from a public health standpoint, mind you, is significant, according to CARB. Hexavalent chrome is a carcinogen for which there is no safe threshold exposure levels. So if you're exposed, you're Even in a danger. Little bit. Yeah. Trivalent chrome, on the other hand, is not considered a carcinogen and is far less toxic to human health and kind of tastes like chicken. Surprising you would say that. <laughs> Trivalent chromium in trace amounts is considered a dietary supplement. You're kidding. Oh, is that the chromium we take that's supposed to make you feel less uh, hungry? Yeah. but No but, kidding. But in very, very small amounts. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be out licking a California bumper anytime soon. Did you get your trivalent <laughs> chrome lick today? Not for 15 bucks. <laughs> uh, trivalent chrome doesn't have the same look as hexavalent chrome. This is where it gets a, a bigger difference. Hexavalent has a clear blue sheen, but trivalent is kind of gray and a little smoky, so not as shiny. That's not chrome. No. That's not chrome as we know it. That's just shiny grayish. Yeah. Uh, trivalent will not replace the look of hexavalent for anybody looking to restore an older vehicle in California to the original specs. Those parts are going to have to be sent out of state. Knock, knock, Dakota. Knock, knock, Kansas. Mm-hmm. That is an opportunity. Uh, Go set up you, a chrome shop in Oh, my Nevada. God. Can you imagine? Uh, estimates show a ban on hexavalent chrome would affect about 100K jobs across California. 100,000 jobs. Wow. That's pretty amazing, quite that's, honestly. That's a lot of people. Didn't, didn't know quite Just five platers are set up for trivalent plating, according to Carbs Count, as, as opposed to the 130 chrome plating companies. Now, if the ban on hexavalent chrome goes through, some platers would have said they'll close their shops rather than switch and move, or even move out of state. That's they're unreal. Just, they're just going to knock it down. Wow. One of the kind of funny little side notes, the kind of irony about this, uh, Carb has proposed a rough timeline for phasing out hexavalent chrome starting with a December 31st, 2021. By God and gravy, we're going to get it done. Ban on all mm-hmm. new hexavalent plating facilities. <laughs> uh, well, the deal is uh, decorative platers would have to switch to trivalent chrome by January 1st, 2023. Platers specializing in hard hexavalent chrome for industry and military applications would have to switch by January 1st, 2027. And another one by 2032. But... CARB representatives said the agency doesn't expect to have a draft of the regulation before June of 2022. So they want you to go ahead and quit December 31st, 2021, six months before they're coming out on the draft. Yeah, well, you know, you've got to pass the bill before you can see what's in it. Yeah, thanks, Nancy. (laughs) Dumbass. And and not you. Oh, no, I I think it's accurate, but I'm I'm cuter. Uh, (laughs) Pardon me for insulting anybody's political sensibilities. 
Nancy Pelosi, the former sphincter of the house. <laughs> well, from Road and Track, a $12 million Montana mansion comes with a 50-car garage. And just in case you weren't for sure how how much power your car is, it has its own dyno. I know. Oh, my God. I spent a long time looking at pictures of this house, and I got to go buy a lottery ticket. (laughs) Are you a multimillionaire with nowhere to put your cars? A new listing has been posted for a mansion in rural Montana, surrounded by wilderness, its own 50-car underground garage. Does that mean it stays basically the same temperature year-round? Anyways. And an on-site gas station. A gas station. And even that dino room that we were just talking about. So very cool with that. A uh, twenty one hundred North Folk uh, Fork Road in Blue Sky, Montana. No, Big Sky. Big oh, I'm Sky. sorry, Big Sky. I Big apologize. Sky, Montana. Twenty hundred North Fork Road in Big Sky, Montana. Bring that jerky over here. Yeah. <laughs> so this place was built in eighty seven. It sits on over twenty acres. Uh, wow. Primary residence. Uh, basically, wow. it's located at the end of a private driveway in a gated community. 9,000 square foot house. Jesus. Four bedrooms, five bathrooms, gourmet kitchen, an actual standard oversized two-car garage. It's a stunning property, 360-degree view of the panoramic Montana mountain range. As opposed to Kansas, where you can stand on a tuna can and see the state. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) So even down the driveway uh, sits an entrance to a detached underground facility. That's what's... you know, basically the uh, the facility that's housing the 50 vehicles. Uh, inside, you'll also there will be a, a maintenance room, two post lift, uh, the dyno we talked about again, uh, built into the floor. There is a built-in electric car charger for Tesla. Never use it. Uh, yeah, that, that that'll be uh, extra. Target that's practice. the guest parking. Um, indoor car wash station. Uh, what? Elsewhere on the property. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so all winter long, because you're going to be snowed in at 18 feet, uh, you can detail all your cars indoors. Uh, the property, of course, you also find a thousand gallon capacity pump, gas gasoline pump. pump. It's got, and it's, the cool thing is, the gas pump is one of those antique ones that's got the globe on top. And oh, all. nice! I, awesome. I can't remember if it said Sinclair or what it said on it. it. Said something cool. If you can afford this place, obviously you uh, will have caretakers, and there's living quarters for them as well. As, yeah, but as, it's not near the main house. Don't get near me. You're dirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not to mention yep. a separate Plebeian. guest house. With an RV hookup. So this property is listed. Anybody want to guess? Anyone wish? It's only $12 million. Really? Just yeah. only, only. Yeah, $12 million. I mean, I was, uh, <laughs> It's been on sale for a little over a month. $12 million. You might have to give the bike up. Million. I, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at pictures of it, and the, the garage is just too clean. The oversized two-car <laughs> garage, if you look at it, not only does it have a great finish on that floor, it's got a center drain. You can just wash your damn car right there. Oh, my God, and just squeeze. Oh, it is. That's the two-car garage, the one with the tile floor? Yeah, that's the two-car garage. Sake. The one with all the floor nicer garage. than any room in my house. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's insane. That's the part, the really clean I, I like stuff. It. <laughs> I like yeah, it. Really I like stuff. it a lot. I like it a lot, too. I bet it's got a heated driveway. <laughs> Some of the pictures, it kind of looks like it because the snow has melted off to the very edge of the driveway. Well, I noticed it a number of the pics. It's got radiant uh, heating. You know it does. On roadandtrack.com, they've got a, a blue, a NASA blue Corvette in one of the pics. Mm-hmm. And they've got a silver on white one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a solid axle. My years. I think this is an omen. I need to go buy a scratch off ticket. <laughs> you know what? You there do. You There's Be not a, a $12 million to to scratch off ticket, I don't think. But go to a casino or something. And that's a 58 T Bird convertible. There's a lot of cool Dude, stuff. Dude, this is... Yeah, okay. Yeah, you buy it. There's a lot, lot of cool stuff. I don't stuff. think you get the car. Brett's going to buy it, and he's going to fly us there every week. 
to do the podcast. There's another See, house. You guys work. got a place to live. If, if we, we got enough to. money to buy that sucker, we ain't doing nothing else. <laughs> it'll, this, it'll be the Hatfield compound. This, this, if, if we took the three of our homes show together, will improve does it, drastically. If we put our three homes together, does it equal 9,000 square feet? Uh, no. Not quite. No, it doesn't. You're going to become Brett Koresh. <laughs> Uh, I'd really like it if my uh, all of my wives were of age. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Rhonda, go find me a new one. Yeah, and love you, baby. Also from Road and Track, three-time Indy 500 winner Bobby Unser has passed away. That's a shame. Three-time yeah. Indy 500 winner, two-time USAC national champion, ten times Pikes Peak Hill Climb winner. That's Dang, the thing that really times. got me. He was badass on Pikes Peak to do that this ten was times back when it was dirt. I yeah, watched. Yeah, oh yeah. my God! Yeah, because I've I've watched the uh, the videos, especially the guy in the old pickup truck with the, the just killer engine, mm-hmm. and the way they slide around those corners on pavement. I can't imagine. I've ridden Pikes Peak a couple times on a motorcycle and tried to really, you know, hit it going up and down. There are some breathtakers yeah. out there. Oh, hell like, no! Absolutely, like blind yes. outside corners where you see a row of rocks and then you just see a sky. No, no, that Mar- Marky can't do that. That's brown zone. Oh no! That's oh yeah, great. that's great. I've been up it twice. Gonna, I was making you're a record. Spend a week picking that out of your. <laughs> I, I was breaking a personal record, but the kids in the back were screaming. So I had to. <laughs> you got them all penned up against one side of the bed, and there's a beer cooler over there. <laughs> Well, uh, there's a vacation they never forgot. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, also, International Race of Champions winner, uh, Bobby Unser, passed away at 87. Good long that's run. A, that's a good run. Yeah. yeah, it is. He was the only driver to win Indy in three different decades. His wow. brother, Al, won Indy four times, and his nephew, Al Jr., had two wins in the Speedway, while his son, Robbie, had limited success in open-wheel racing. He has nine class wins at Pikes Peak and four overall. So Might be something in the water at their house. I got this feeling. Uh, the first, uh, the fast-talking Unser had a big personality, and it served him well in his broadcasting career. He joined ABC for its indie coverage after he retired from driving. Unser was a, a wonderful addition to race coverage. His insight, I mean, he knew everything and he was his he had friendly rivalry with a uh, road track contributor and fellow commentator sam posey he jacked with sam posey <laughs> hard and that's what makes it fun you know uh, yeah absolutely. Uh, just yeah uh, that touch back and forth <laughs> he was an avid snowmobiler and unser made news in the late 1990s when he and his friend got lost and spent two frigid nights stuck in the wilderness after they were found unser was charged with a federal misdemeanor of operating a snowmobile in a national wilderness area <laughs> You, it's like, you, gee, thanks, guys. I'm alive. You criminal. I appreciate it. I, I you're love the story, though. Yeah. He, Unser was fined $75, oh my but was determined to have the record expunged and appealed all the way to the Supreme Court. Oh, my Court. God. That's awesome. <laughs> Could you see somebody with a bug up his chimney? <laughs> the Supreme Court even just, they were just showing $75. You could have uh, just paid it, sir. His petition wasn't <laughs> granted, but it was always part of Uncle Bobby's character to never give up. That's awesome. True character, Unser was known for his humor, kindness, and decency among racers and colleagues. Uncle Bobby passed away from natural causes. That was uh, last Sunday. You got to hand it to the guy. He's He never said no. He never said die. He didn't give up. It was a $75 fine. <laughs> 
You got, I know. What a thing to sink yeah. your teeth into. What a place to draw your line and go, no. Nope. But it wasn't the 75 bucks. He wanted the record expunged, so he took that all the way to the Supreme Court. And even though they didn't hear his case, his complaint, how much expense do you think is involved in that? Think of the attorney's fees and everything. You'd, it was a $75 fine and you were trespassing on government land. Who gives a crap? Nope. <laughs> nope. nope. I'm nope. taking this all the way. You can't you know stop I am? me. I'm Bobby Anza, damn it. Yeah, no kidding. That's, that's got to amount to a lot of his wins, possibly, the fact that he never gave up. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm, sure, I'm absolutely sure it did, but... You don't apply that to everything in life. Sometimes you just learn <laughs> no, you to take no Bobby. for an answer. Uh, what, we're out of toilet paper? I'm not taking it for an answer. Give me a sock. Where's the cat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, meow, man. Oh, screw this. Don't you know? Get a litter box. You've seen me do it. Man, I really know how to respect the recently passed it. I am nothing but class. Yeah, comes the guy with two cats. There you go. <laughs> Bobby Unser, thank you. Thank you for all the those years <laughs> yeah good stuff good stuff well from a nice nice popular source for today road and track hey they had great stuff and yeah, they made it really hey, easy yeah, here's the funny thing that. i collected stories all week long and it was yeah. just road and track all week so oh well there you go <laughs> track track well well chevy is benchmarking the c8 corvette z06 against a ferrari 458 and a 911 gt2 rs and that c that z06 is supposed to be out like in the next six months yeah yeah i'm if they are using the 458 and the GT2 RS as performance benchmarks for this next car, oh, bravo, Chevy, bravo. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. News about that forthcoming Corvette Z06. Uh, a YouTube video from a Corvette blogger, a fleet of camouflage Corvettes, some with quad center exhaust, <laughs> what can those be, uh, can be seen parked alongside two Ferrari 458 Italias, just in case one breaks down, and a Porsche 911 GT2 RS. Notice there's only one Porsche because it probably won't break down. Uh, in a hotel parking lot, many manufacturers benchmark new cars against competitors, so it's a little surprise to see the 458 as they are a gold standard for you know, suppression of noise, vibration, harshness, and a flat plane crank V8. And, well, they are damn good in performance, as well as the best-sounding flat plane V8s available. Yes, they are. The GT2 is one of the quickest streetcars to ever lap the Nürburgring, and it's only a two-wheel drive. Like the Corvette's going to be, maybe. Uh, we can only hope that the coming uh, Z06 is measured both of these against European both those supercars. Yeah, yeah, against Here's both the these. thing about the Z06 and what I've read and what we're hearing. It's supposed to be a 5.5-liter mm-hmm. flat-plane crank V8. Right, right, right. Um not terribly dissimilar from what they did in the Shelby GT350R. Right. Uh, if it's going to, and what I'm hearing is it's going to be rear wheel drive only. They're saying the ZR1 is possibly a hybrid with electric motors driving the front wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of the handling there, and that would be fantastic. And if we have to have a hybrid Corvette, that's going to be very cool. But if they're trying to get it to sound like a 458 Italia, which is an extraordinary sounding machine. It is. And they're trying to get it to be as quick and handle as well as a GT2 RS. That's going to be a hell of a car. New Corvettes now completely loaded out if you pay sticker, and nobody gets to pay sticker because they're so stinking rare. Right. But if you do the the 3LT with all the options and all the stuff on it and everything you can get, so they're still under package, 90 grand. Yeah, yeah. What's a GT2 RS sticker for? It's over two hundred thousand. It, it is. It's probably two fifty plus. 
And what's a, well, 458s, they're a little dated now, but 488s, what's a 488 sticker for? It's probably close to that. Anything that starts at that, but you got to think you put options on both those cars, you're seeing 300 plus thousand. Yeah. So what do you want to bet that a Z06 sticker, if you could get one a sticker, yeah. is a buck and a half or less? I, I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet 120 to 140. That's probably not out of the line of consideration. Maybe if you really decked it out with everything you could get, yeah. you might be a buck and a half, which makes you half price compared to the comp- competition. And they're trying to make the car go and sound like the other cars. For a fraction of the cost. Remember, of those cars. remember we talked yeah. about the stats last week and in uh, performance car world, Corvette owned 43% of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Are you starting to – these other manufacturers, these other European makers, granted, their interiors may be a bit nicer. Yep. Is it worth double? Yeah. What are you paying for there? Are you paying for the name? Well, the new one's a heck of a lot nicer than even the previous one as far as the quality and materials. Yeah. Yes, it is. It, it it's, absolutely it's in, is. It, remember, it's in the luxury car department now, the uh, sports car. Yeah. Depart- and department. So well, that's, that says something. And the road tests I've read about the ride, the handling, everybody yep. says it it needs to be there, it deserves to be there, and the interior materials. Now picture how sleek the new base Corvettes are. Now mm-hmm. imagine that sucker with big flared fenders and giant oh, honking yeah. wide tires. And remember, brakes. remember that four hundred fifty nine or that four hundred ninety five horsepower car is doing a two eight zero to sixty. Yeah. God. What do you think? We are sub threes. What do you think a Z06 is going to look like? Can you get much faster? Well, you got to think. <laughs> let's say that let's say it's not even any faster to zero to sixty. Look how much more top end it'll have because yeah. the more power you're going to get out of this flat plane crank and the improved handling because it's going to be a Z06. Dude, I'd buy it just to listen to the engine. Oh man, and just, you know that you know what they say the four five eight is probably the last good sounding Ferrari. Yeah, well, because tur- of being turbos, naturally aspirated. Yeah, yeah, turbos rob the four eight eight of that that glorious sound. So. So if they're looking to make that sound as good, even if it's just as good, and the performance of a GT2 RS, I mean, come on. I can't afford another Corvette, damn it, but I really want one. <laughs> come on. Just, you got you to gotta get Vlad I'm out sorry, the door. Vlad. I'm sorry, uh, Vlad, but well, you're going to be replaced by a third the, vet. The, the, the thing with the Impala is this. Uh, it is glorious to look at. And you guys have Indeed it, it is. It, it has been a walk-off show winner more than once. Yeah. I got the trophies to show for it. It had a top 10 finish at 2019 KC Streetcar Takeover. How many cars were there? Well, uh, to be honest, there was probably over 6,000 cars that showed up and uh, quite a few hundred that were there to be judged. Judge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, wow. I don't, I can't say definitively it was more than a thousand cars judged but i know it was hundreds it was it was yeah and i had a top 10 finish with that impala it is glorious to look at well you know if we just interview two more people from meekum i think they'll get you in for free we're talking about i've already (laughs) we're talking about a 5.5 liter flat shut up mark shut up (laughs) i talked to david morton this afternoon he said just drive the thing over and sell it yeah you know so it it is it is fun to drive for a, a while but again, yeah. I drove it for a couple hours last summer, and I almost couldn't get out of the car because it wore out my left butt cheek. <laughs> hey, I just got one phrase to say to you. Hmm. 5.5 liter flat plane cream beer. Yeah, I know. In that car, that'd be fun. <laughs> In the vet. I bet they're going to have carbon ceramic brakes and all that good stuff. Oh, I'm going to. Oh, 
Can't wait. I really can't wait. That's like that's my car. I bought of the year. my dream vet last week and they're year. coming out with this. It's killing me. You're the killing new, me, that Smalls. New, that new Porsche GT three is sweet, but for some reason I really want to see this Z06. I want Gosh, to, I really I want to see I want to see it too. Hey, our special guest this week is Sam Murtaugh. He's chief operating officer of Meekum Auctions. He's going to be here to talk about his history with Meekum, how the company has changed in the face of the pandemic, auction customers, the future of the market. And dumb stuff he may or may not have allegedly done. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. We use that word a lot with that we question. We love the statute of limitations. I won't kid you. <laughs> oh, th- thank God for it. Hey, man. Yes. <laughs> All this and much more is coming up here on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. This week's guest, wow, we we, we caught a ringer. <laughs> we, Absolutely. We, we got a guy, I can't believe, agreed to the interview. Uh, <laughs> Shh, he's listening. Yeah, Shush. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Look at the look on his face. Act cooler, quick. <laughs> I, love the, I love the look of confusion. This is going to be great. Uh, our guest this week is Sam Murtaugh. Uh, Sam is the Chief Operating Officer for Meekum Auctions. After attending his first Meekum event in 2005, Sam became enthralled with the enthusiasm and speed of the event, and he wanted to be part of it. Sam sold his own collection management business and joined forces with Meekum in 2008 to manage Dana Meekum's personal car collection. Within two years, Sam was tasked with the development of an in-house marketing and PR department as marketing director and then vice president of marketing and presentation and now chief operations officer. Sam has helped shape Meekum into what it is today. Sam, thank you so much for being with us on Driven Radio. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I I think. Uh, (laughs) There we go. Uh, That's that's it. We we, we gave him too much of a peek behind the curtain. Now we're totally off the rails now. it's It's all good. I'm happy to be here, guys. Uh, how did you get connected with Dana Makeham? Oh, wow. I mean, it was, you know, back to cassette, like you had mentioned, I, you know, I'd, I'd been, I, I went to a Makeham auction, my first one in about 2000, it was in 2005 and, and it was, it was a wild scene. I, I'd never seen anything like it. it was my first, uh, antique classic car auction that I had attended. I'd ever been, uh, I've been in the car business virtually my whole life since I was 15 and, you know, growing up detailing cars and, and, and whatnot. And so I've always been enthralled by them. And, um, that's how I got, you know, started my own, my own business and was, was in that realm. And I, one of my customers, um, decided he wanted to sell some cars and he says, Hey, I'm going to take my, I want to take some cars to this Meekum auction in Kansas city actually. Um, and so, okay, I'll, you know, he wanted me to come with and help him out. So I went down there and, and uh, brought the cars and had no idea what I was getting into. Similarly, like this this conversation we're about to get into here today. But uh, <laughs> the um, the result was you know mind blowing to me. I, I I had never seen anything like it. I mean, I knew what car auctions were, but I had never seen the way a Meekum auction operated. It was it was different. There was something special there. Um, you know, granted, this is what sixteen years ago now. Um, so it was it was quite smaller then than it than it is today. But um, the premise is the same and, and the, the, you know, the, the nonstop auction action, the, the interactions between 
seller and Meekum and connecting to the buyer and what was happening and how it happened so fast. I mean, within minutes, these things were just popping off like crazy and the auctioneer excitement and he, you know, keeping the, the audience engaged and focused on him and, and controlling that room, everything about it just, just blew my mind. So I, I knew at that point that this is something that I wanted to be a part of um, in some way and um, connect myself to it. So, you know, I, I continued to, I attended more and more events with that client that I, that I had, um, you know, he kept, he got, he bit the bug as well. It was his first event as well. And he got into it big time and decided he wanted to keep turning cars over. He'd buy cars, he'd sell cars. So I just would attend with him over and over. And, and I got to know the, 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 the staff at Meekum pretty well at the time. It was really small. I mean, there was, I don't know, maybe a dozen people that worked full time for Meekum at that time. Everyone else was part-time and, you know, the auctioneers are contractors and they come in and, I mean, was, there's a decent amount of employees at the auctions themselves, but at the core, the, uh, the home, the home office staff was relatively small. So I got to know the family pretty well there. I live in Illinois. Um, so their home office was in Marengo, Illinois at the time. So I was only like 45 minutes away from their home office. So I was able to interact with them a lot more frequently than, than others might be able to. And, um, I actually got to know um, Frank Meekum, Dana's son, really well. Him and I are relatively close in age, um, and we connected, and we've become good friends over the years. And um, and that was that's pretty much how I how I got in. Um, just you know, connected with the family. I mean, it's that it's a it's a wonderful, it's an incredible family to 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 associate with. Um, they're the most loyal and dedicated people I've ever met in my entire life, and and I'm. I'm happy to have been with them as long as I have and happy to see a, a bright future ahead. That's so cool. you make the connection with the family. You start managing yep. Dana's personal collection. But how do you go from managing that to being <laughs> the COO? Yeah, well, I, I well, first of all, I had no idea in the world that that would be where I would end up. Um, you know, uh, that my experience was working hands-on with cars and and. and you know, whether it was from everything from detailing to light mechanic work to, um, you know, just helping people that own multiple cars deal with them. I mean, you know, cars are to have one is, is you can manage one as your own, but you know, you start getting two, three, 10, 20, 50, it becomes work at that point. And, you know, there's, you can't do it on your own or, you know, cars melt if they don't, exercise if they sit and they do nothing you know tires are going flat batteries are going dead gas is going bad um you know it's it's difficult to maintain and keep up with so um you know i took that skill set and, and dana knew what i was doing before and and he, he had a pretty sizable collection at the time and um you know he needed help so um that there was an opportunity to to do that and i jumped at the opportunity because it was like i said it was a way for me to get my foot in the door with something that i thought was quite special and and had a lot, a lot of ways, a lot of ways to go, and they were on the right track to do something big. And I just kind of sensed it. It really it was, at the end of the day, looking back, <clears throat> you know, it was really a right time at the right, a right place at the right time scenario. I, I mean, it, it wouldn't. The fact, you know, I don't know if, if I probably wouldn't be there today if that those kind of couple little weird chains of events would have taken place and, and transpired. And, and that's where that's kind of how it happened. Um, then from there, like you know, to, you know. Uh, I like to think, I mean, that they recognized that I wasn't a dumbass and um, <laughs> you know, gave me some, gave me some other tasks and opportunities. And, and um, you know, they, 
I had an eye, I have an eye for photography. Um, you know, I have, um, you know, a creative mindset connected to, you know, a, a business sense. And, and so kind of, you know, there's, there's a hard, usually if you're creative, you're over here. And if you're, you know, if you're, you know, business minded, you're over here and it, they're really kind of oil and water. They don't really jive. Um, you know, so I've, I've got a little bit of both in me. I think I get that from my parents. I think my, you know, um, I get both. The, there's a lot of artistic um, blood in my, in my family's DNA. And, um, but at the same time, if there's, there's a lot of business sense too. So I think I get kind of the best of both worlds and I just kind of applied that and I, they must've recognized it and, you know, gave me some opportunities to work on some marketing projects. And then that just kind of snowballed into other things. And, you know, we did a lot of things out, we, since the staff was relatively small, we, we outsourced quite a bit of, of things, especially with PR and you know, even some of the marketing efforts that we would do. Um, and the more and more I did, the more we realized that as a, as an organization that we needed to take more control of our destiny when as it relates to marketing and our brand and, and everything else. So, um, so yeah, I just started that they, you know, like I said, one step at a time, just kind of grow you know, over and started with myself and two other people, um, that were, you know, kind of just put together our own little marketing team from who was there and available and, um, just kept, kept grinding at it and grinding at it. And then that, that marketing team fast forward to today is about 35 employees. Wow. That is pretty cool. That's significant. Yeah. yeah. So this past year has been tough for everybody, but yeah. Mecham continues to set record sales or, or sales records all year long. Uh, what do you attribute that to? How do you keep succeeding in such a, a, a tough business market? Well, I, you know, this, this has been a difficult year for everybody, whether, you know, and on a scale of difficult being the most annoying thing on the planet to hardship and everything in between. And, you know, depending on who you are and what your scenario is. So, um, you know, for us, I mean, I, I it comes down to, to tenacity and dedication and, and willpower from, you know, again, back to the family. I mean, these, this family, the Meekin family has, has worked their tails off there. You know, Dana's and, and his four boys, I think from day one, I mean, they, they, there's no quit in them. They're, you know, failure is not something that's in their vocabulary and giving up is not something in their vocabulary. And so, you know, while recognizing the constraints that we were dealing with, I mean, back, you know, after we, um, you know, we in 20 or March of 2020, when everything just started going downhill fast and we were actually in our, um, we had our auction in Glendale, Arizona at State Farm Stadium. And, while we were there, spring training was going on all around us in Scottsdale, Phoenix area. And the NBA announced that they were shutting off the season. They shut things down. And then that kind of created this rapid snowball of, of cancellations that happened within like, you know, I mean, you guys all remember, I mean, within yeah. like 48 hours ever the world was shut down. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, in that moment we were there live having an auction with an audience on television on NBC sports network. And, everything and then all of a sudden spring training shuts down and we're thinking to ourselves, what is going to be, we just wanted to finish this event. So this is like, we, our event was Wednesday through Saturday. So this was like Thursday. It was happening. So had three days to go. And we just wanted to just get in there, get it done and get, you know, complete the job and, you know, do the business for the, for the buyers and sellers that we had on site. And as things are canceling, the team, NBC kept calling us to, can you stay on for two more hours? Can you stay on for two more hours? They kept getting, cause there was no, there was nothing going on. They weren't recording. There was no TV. 
we were the only thing going on <clears throat> at the time. We got, we got a, we got a note. I think, I think at one, at one point on Saturday at that auction, we were the only live sporting event on television on the planet. <laughs> wow. And so, I mean, and you know, in hindsight, I was like, man, I want to tweet that. But like at the same time, I can't because you know, the world's ending and blowing up and here we are trying to get, you know, make sure we have an auction. We're still trying to stay up, stay open and not get shut down. So that was, you know, that was like the greatest stat I couldn't talk about um, ever. It's pretty cool. So, but all that aside, um, you know, fast forward to, you know, them after that, we, you know, we didn't know if we were going to get, be able to get on airplanes and get home. We were talking about keeping our rental cars just so we can just drive and get back to Illinois. Um, but then everything quickly shut down. And we, you know, we, the, the management team at Mecham, the Mecham family, Dave Majors, our CEO, who's brilliant. Um, we were, we would talk daily. We, we had, luckily we had, we had just, we had just finished a digital transformation of our organization. So we got all of our, uh, um, everything we were doing was, was cloud-based online all the way down to the telephone. So thank goodness, because without that, we, we would have been totally cut out because we had that we couldn't go into the office. So we were able to quickly develop a plan for remote work for everybody. Um, all we've got over 130 full-time staff members up at our, at our home office in Wisconsin. And we were able to dispatch everybody to home, get everybody set up, everybody back online. And we were back in business within, 24 hours, 48 hours max. We had everybody oh, wow. spooled up. And I mean, you wouldn't know you call in or you talk, you know, talk with us. You wouldn't realize we weren't, we weren't in the office. So that was step one was huge. And, you know, I, I guess better lucky than good that we, we had had that. Obviously we weren't planning that in anticipation of the world shutting down. We were planning on just, you know, obviously, you know, growth and, and, and our future, but the timing of that couldn't have worked out any better. So that, that worked out to our favor. Um, and then, after that, we just, you know, like I said, we met daily, planned, and we had contingency plans for every single event for the rest of the year. And what we knew we couldn't do, what we knew we had to push, what we knew we had to postpone, what we knew we might be able to get away with, what we might be able to do. Um, you know, we had to work tirelessly with state, county, local governments in all the areas that we were going into, because every state's different. You know, I mean, you go to Texas is not the same as going to Pennsylvania. The rules are different. What, you know, the level of confidence in, in the, the communities are different. I mean, it's all over the map. So, um, you know, I think we all got a lot more gray hair over, over that time <laughs> period, but the, the, the sheer willpower of just, we, we weren't going to give up. We were not going to just give in. We were going to be safe. We were going to do things within the confines of what we were able to do legally. Um, and you know, the safest for our staff and for our, for our patrons, but we weren't about to just give in and give up and wait it out. And, and, and that, that's, that's really what was the big driving factor for us to continue to, to thrive. And so we were, we didn't have any, any auctions for, uh, from that after we came home from Glendale in, in mid March, uh, the next auction we opened back up for was a private collection out in North Carolina at the end of June. Mm-hmm. Um, at a, it's called Eddie Vinoy's uh, collection. Uh, yeah. It was a private deal. We went there and did that. That was a, like June 30th, I think. And that was the first time we went back and did something in person. Um, and then from there, we just, you know, we've had to move some events and postpone and, you know, it wasn't a perfect schedule, but <clears throat> what we were able to have and which was most um, proved to be wildly successful. I mean, it, you know, the, the pent up demand to, to participate in something there's, 
you know, the market was, has been stronger than ever uh, across the board. And that, you know, I mean, no different than the stock market or the housing market, the car market is on fire. Everything's on fire. It seems like that, which is, which is strange, but you know, the fact that we were able to have all those events throughout 2020 and into 2021 has paid dividends, which has been exciting. To what do you attribute Meekum's customer loyalty? You seem to have fabulously loyal customers. Uh, one of your, I think it was your first big public event last year after the shutdown was Indy. And I was mm -hmm. at that and it was packed. It was <laughs> packed. Uh, yeah. What keeps your customers coming back? Well, you know, Dana was adamant. Dana, the, the indie auction is is especially significant to Dana. It, 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 it's his anniversary of his first one back in 1988. So the, the Spring Classic is he was bound to determine that the indie Spring Classic was going to be our triumphant return to live auctions. And we had the we had the private sale, and and but you know, I mean, obviously counts towards sales, but as far as our regularly scheduled events, it doesn't count. Um, so our first regularly scheduled event was Indy, which is normally in May. It's coming up here uh, starting next weekend. Um, but we had to push it and it ended up, we ended up having to push it twice. Actually, we pushed it from May to June. Mm -hmm. You know, at that point in March, you're like, ah, we'll be out of the woods by May. This thing will pull over. Everything will be fine. Then, you know, coming up and it's like, okay, not so much. And then pushed out to July. Um, and, and actually, Again, that uh, the timing of that one, we almost had to push it again, but the luckily Marion County and where Indianapolis is um, kind of followed suit. They were falling a little bit behind the whole state of Indiana. The, the county was was a little bit tighter locked up than the rest of the state, um, but that opened up around the Fourth of July, so we got it, we got it in, and we were able to have it with you know obviously our safety precautions and, and things that we had to put in place, social distancing and masks and hand sanitizers, temperature checks, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so we were able to do that. We were able to have it, and, you know, as far as how, why it's the dedication thing is, 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 is a phenomenon. I, I, you know, in the sense that, you know, I think people really connect with our brand when they, when they've seen it and touched it in person. Um, there's something special there that you really can't put on paper to what it is, but it's, you know, I think it's just the, the, the family dynamic that the company is, I think bleeds out to all the, the staff um, and that, that level of comfort. And, and, you know, we're not, we're not a stuffy organization. We're not uppity. We're not, you know, we don't, we're not exclusive. We're inclusive. We will, everyone's able to be part of what we do. Um, whether you're buying a $5,000 car or a $5 million car, uh, we, we treat you with the same respect. And, and as a, as a collector, as a car person, as from in that community. And that's, I think that, you know, we don't, we don't preach it. We live it. And everybody does. And, and within our, our staff, and we've got, we don't have, we don't turn over. We don't have, people that come work for us, they, whether they're temporary, you know, auction employees that travel and just work the auctions or they're at the home office, everyone is so dedicated to the, to the brand and to what we're doing and what we're up to. And I think that just, that connects and resonates with people when they, when they can get to an event and see it and feel it in person. In your opinion, what is driving the collector car market right now? That's a tough one. Um, you know, I think it's a multitude of things. I think it's, um, there's a lot of pent up demand. There's a lot of people that weren't doing anything and they want to get out and do something. I mean, one thing you can do is you can, you know, you can drive it and you were able to drive and enjoy cars by yourself or with your wife or your kids or whatever throughout the pandemic. That was something you could continue to do because it was naturally socially distanced. Um, you know, I think that's what helped keep it up. There was, there's been a lot of newcomers to the, to the market. There's been a lot of, 
you know, first-time buyers. We've experienced more first-time buyers in the last year and a half than we've experienced in the last ten years. It's 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 wow. It's exciting. That's, um, that, that's a know, hell the, of a stat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the demographic is, you know, for these old classic cars and, you know, even the muscle cars, I mean, it's a, you know, it skews older. The, the generations of, um, that, that are after those cars are typically, you know, the guys in their, you know, late fifties, early sixties, even seventies. Um, and we've seen a lot more younger people getting involved and getting in, um, you know, our inventory is, is a good mix up. There's up, we've, you know, we're, our bread and butter is, is classics and, and, and muscle cars and antiques, you know, from the, you know, thirties all the way up to the, you know, sixties and seventies. Um, but we've got a lot of new stuff coming in too. Some really collectible, you know, low production type vehicles that is driving a lot of newcomers to, to us and a, a lot younger audience too. So, um, I think there was, and there's a lot of that, that, you know, YOLO stuff. I mean, as far as the old live once type <laughs> attitude that, that there's a ton of that going on. And then we're, you know, seeing a lot of that and people just want to say, you know, screw it. I was always wanting this thing. I'm going to go get it and they're coming to get it. And, you know, so it's kind of all those things put together, um, are, are sort of set, setting the stage. And then it, which is, you know, there's, you know, supply and demand things that are going on, even with the new cars and it's kind of coming trickling down. I mean, with the fact that, you know, even just, you know, plain old used cars are bringing a premium right now because people can't get new ones, yeah, you know, there's, yeah. and that's going all the way down into, you know, Hey, maybe drive an old, you know, 89 Bronco around. It's a pretty cool truck and I can get my hands on it right now. I can go buy it. 89 um, Bronco. He was you know, close. Things like that. <laughs> I <laughs> sold my 90 last year or so. You <laughs> oh, were real, real close. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, Hey, that's one heck the, that the SUV market's wild right now. It sure. is. It is. Yeah. So, uh, the 34th, Original Spring Classic is coming up next weekend, like you said, May uh, 14th through the 22nd. You got a nice long run on that in Indianapolis. Uh, what are some of the coolest things you've got? The featured consignments. Uh, what are your favorites? Um, you got a lot of collections coming up. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on in Indy. Well, uh, we crossed the 2,000 consignment level couple days wow. ago i think so we've got over two thousand cars that's a Lord, lot of stuff which is yeah it's going to be awesome um and like you said over i think we've got like 27 collections different private collections um consigned there as well and, it, and it's all over the map i mean it's hard to choose one favorite over another with that many cars and that many and there's the variety is nuts there's there's and the quality i've never seen a better quality lineup at indianapolis um than i have for this year i mean it, it runs deep which is cool um you know, our, our, our main attraction for that event <clears throat> is Big Ole. Uh, yes. The Bronco, that's a super cool story. That's um, right. You know, that one that one's hitting home for me pretty well just for a variety of reasons. I, you know, I, I love stories, and and that one's got a hell of a story. Um, yeah, you know, the significance of that car, uh, or that truck, I should say, um, is immense. I mean, Parnelli Jones, I didn't I didn't realize. I always knew Parnelli Jones was, and but – my 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 connection with Parnelli Jones was was more to the IndyCar um, and road racing world. I, I I didn't really connect the dots with. I'm not an SUV guy. I I mean I like them. I can appreciate them, but it's not been my you know concentration of interest historically. But so I didn't really realize the the significance of what he did uh, at at the the Mexican 1000, the Baja 1000, and 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 how successful that was and what he did to accomplish it. It was, was, is insane. And the fact that his, he still owns it. 
you know, most of these, these guys, you know, they race cars or race cars. They, they chew them up, spit them out, get another one, yeah. move on, let, you know, and, you know, let them fall apart or part them out or whatever they do with them. This one, you know, looks like it just rolled off the course and parked in his garage. And, and, and the fact that it's being sold by Parnelli Jones himself is sort of the top. It doesn't get much better than that. I mean, to have, you know, singular ownership from the, the legend uh, and, is, is going to be awesome. You know, it's, I didn't dive in and learning more about off-road racing. You know, it's funny. You don't, you don't, you know, it's like pick anything that you're not into and you don't, you don't realize how big of a world and how yeah. amazing it is until you realize that that world exists. Like, yeah. you know, and, um, and my son's a, my son's a bowler and he became a bowler and he got quite good and went up through high school and plays in college or played in college. And, when I, when he started getting into it, he's, we're not a bowling family, but he, he's, I started realizing this, this bowling world and it's immense. I had no clue because I never paid attention to bowling. It was kind of the same thing in this, this SG, the, you know, the off-road racing stuff. I knew it was, I knew it existed. I knew about it. I knew about the Baja 1000 and that, but I never paid any attention to it. So I didn't realize just how wildly significant and popular and deep the knowledge goes of people that, you know, that are aware of it and, and are enthusiastic by it. And so that, that to me, connecting those, that world to what we do and, and bringing that in is, is going to introduce a lot more new people to, to the Mecham brand and to our auctions. And, um, you know, just to see what that thing will sell for with all that provenance is going to be pretty exciting a moment. So that's probably my, that's my favorite. I maybe not fair because by default it's the favorite because it's the big, you know, leader of the whole sure. sale. But, um, again, it's, it's tough to pick, individual cars we've got some great you know late model ferraris those things intrigue me we've been selling those really really well over the last uh, few auctions um and you know the engineering on, on those those new, newer ferraris are wild i mean it's 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 rolling art that with mm. insane horsepower well that's something else i wanted to touch on you know mecham as a company is known for american classics and muscle cars and cool stuff from here but you've got lots of European stuff on the docket uh, for Indy. And is that by design or is that who's coming to you now? And uh, how did that happen? Yeah, it's a little of both. I mean, you know, we've been, you know, I mean, results create more, 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 you know, more inventory to come based on what we do as a result. And, you know, we've, like I said, we've for the last few auctions, well, for the last few years, really, I mean, we've done really, really well in the Ferrari market. Um, you know, Mercedes, um, you know, a lot of the European stuff, Porsches we've been doing really well with for years, but the more, the more success you have with results and, and do well for sellers, I mean, word travels and say, Hey, make them, you know, the internet, obviously you can find stuff in seconds and they can see that we're, we're, uh, you know, we're bringing a lot of buyers to the, to the table and, and, and cars are bringing really good prices and, and other people that have those see it and they want to get in on it and they want to be part of it. Um, and so it kind of snowballs on and off itself. So, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, we, we definitely, you know, Dana started the auctions. It was a muscle car auction, pure hardcore. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, they branched out into the fifties and the classics and things like that. And we really started getting into the, the European stuff, especially when we got, we started going to Monterey back in 2009, I yeah. think eight or nine. Um, you know, that, that opened the doors up to, you know, um, to other, other avenues for us. And we've had a lot of successes out there too. So, um, you know, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time, but it happens with, you know, good quality consignments and getting those results and, 
um, letting the public see what we're able to do and accomplish and, and just continue to, to expand what we, what we deal with and operate. And at the end of the day, you know, Mecham Auctions and Mecham, we're, we're in the volume business. So that, you know, the more the merrier as far as we're concerned, we're not going to say we're only this or we're only that. We're all of it and, we, and we're proven to the world that we can do it all. We can, do, we can, we can dive, dip our toe in all, all the different waters and, and, and be successful. Nice. All right. Going back to the collections for just a minute, I read this and then I, I had to read it again to make sure that I saw it. You said you've got over 25 collections, around 27. One of them is the Charlie Thomas estate. This thing has yep. 140 cars in it. Yeah. Yep. It does. And that, that's uh, Charlie's collection was probably double that at one time. He's got uh, <laughs> oh, the one that he had. He, he, he recently passed. Charlie's been a, was said been a customer of ours for years. Um, mm. So his family's entrusted with us to uh, to sell um, those cars um, at auction. And they're all selling. I believe they're all selling at no reserve, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, that's oh, wow. Cool. Wow, but, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, there, you'd be surprised. There's a, there's a lot of big collections out there in this country. This is a big country. You don't realize just how many cars are out there. I mean, there's, you know, we sell over... I don't know, fifteen thousand cars a year, somewhere around there, and, and and we're just not even we're not even scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. There's that many. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, there's there's millions of these things. That's fantastic. I love it. So, how do you anticipate the collector car auction market for, or the just the collector car market in general for the rest of this year? And do you have any predictions for next? Well, I, you know. To, it's hard to predict. I mean, obviously it's hard to predict anything in this world right now, as far as, you know, what's going to be next, you know, when's the, you know, is it going to cool off? Is it going to stay hot? I mean, it's definitely hot right now and I don't see any end in sight for the immediate future. I think it's going to, I think this is going to keep going for, for a while. I, I don't exactly how long I have no idea. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to predict, but you know, we always say that, you know, strike while the iron's hot, the iron's hot right now. So if there, I mean, if there's anyone interested in potentially selling, I don't, I don't know that there's a better time than now than to, to give it a go and, and sell. But at, at the same time, it's, it's a good time to buy. Cause there's a lot, you know, that people recognize that. So they're bringing good stuff out. So if yeah. there's something that, that people want to get their hands on, that's of quality or rarity and mm-hmm. um, doesn't come to market very often, there's some opportunities coming up that people are recognizing that they want to, trade in or trade up. And, and so those some good, really, really good cars are, are coming to the table for people to get their hands on. Yeah. So. I might have a couple headed your way yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> too many toys in the garage. So sure. Sam, here you go. Here's the question we ask everybody. It's my favorite question in every interview. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? Wow. Dumbest thing. <laughs> I've done some dumb things. <laughs> we we all have, but oh, this I is know. usually the best answer of, of any. <laughs> okay, so well, I think I'm gonna have to go back way back. I'll go back to when I was dumb. So I'll go back to when I was 17 years old, maybe. I think that's um, universally yep, stupid yep. for yep. all of us. Yeah, <laughs> so that's one of the stupid operation. things, right? So there's where my story comes from. So my one of my good buddies um, in high school's brother, when we were we were juniors in high school. And his, he won the lottery. It was it was he won like eight million bucks or something. You're kidding? No. And <laughs> so he hmm? he split it up between his family. But Aww. my friend at the time was you know obviously not 18, so couldn't get his hand on on his share till he till he was old enough. But they bought him a um, a brand new GMC Typhoon. 
at the time because that would have been yeah that was about 91 92 93 somewhere in that zone so um so he had this typhoon and those things if you get any guys have driven those things those things are quick yes um, for what they are uh they're that's an awesome truck uh, um 4.3 liter uh v6 yep. that was it, it was a 5.7 it was a 350 with two cylinders chopped off <laughs> uh supercharged and intercooled or turbocharged yes. and intercooled yeah and all-wheel drive oh yeah, yeah. It was so a badass machine. It would come so, out of the hole like a shot. Yeah. So he had that. My other buddy had, and I don't know the year, but it was an old military Willie's Jeep. Piece of crap. <laughs> it, holes in the floor, the whole nine yards. But I mean, it was motor ran strong. And it was a good running car, but it was just a dump of a Jeep. So he was proud as hell of it. And so then, you know, Mr. Big Shot lottery winner gets the Typhoon and my buddy Adam says, he says, well, let's, I'll drag race you in the, and so the Willies versus the Typhoon. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I want to, there was no room in the Typhoon. That's what, so I had to ride in the Willies. Oh, I was riding shotgun in the race and we go to this place, Casey road. I'll never forget. So it's this road. That's just like, it's not a drag race. It's a hill race. It's like this. <laughs> and he's got this thing hammered to the hammered to the floor trying to keep up with the typhoon, which, I mean, thing was gone, and we were just, he, he wasn't giving up. He was still racing. The car, would be, all we could see was taillights. It's dark. <laughs> and he's got this thing, and all of a sudden, the motor exploded. And we and we, we rode off the side of the road, and we didn't, luckily, no one was hurt. It was fine, but we just, we, he lost control. We lost off the road and, and blew it up, and we're in the middle of the dark, in the middle of nowhere, no way to get a hold of anybody, and he blew so far past he was long gone and we had to walk like six miles <laughs> to, get, to get to a gas station to make a phone call. And it was, that was Not probably one of the dumbest things I did was decide to sit in a piece of crap, Willie's Jeep and go up against a typhoon. Not to self, don't be in the losing <laughs> car with the engine hey, that blows at, up. at least it didn't roll. It yep. didn't flip. It did, you yeah. were no, we were all good, but. It was uh, the stupidest move. We should, we should have just. I, I have to applaud away. your early enthusiasm or your early optimism. <laughs> yeah, this will be fun. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> uh, I, I, think I got I'll, one more stupid thing. I, oh, we're dying to hear it. Did we're dying I to wasn't in the car, but I took a, um, you know, those little firecrackers, they call them like bumblebees. You light them and they spin up. Like they go like, mm -hmm. they like zip uh -huh. in oh, here. So. I was in the back seat of my buddy's car and I thought it'd be funny to light it and toss it in the front seat and see if what would happen if it never so. And this is again when I was, I don't know, 18 or something like that. And it didn't spin. It got stuck under the seat and proceeded to just burn a hole straight in the seat <laughs> on the side of the car and started on fire. We had to pull over. <laughs> oh, God. And dump it off. That was Oops. another dumb thing I did in the car. Fireworks inside a moving automobile. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. When you're 18, it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, watch everybody jump. <laughs> <laughs> because their butt's on fire. We've been speaking with Sam Murtaugh, Chief Operations Officer and Pyromaniac, apparently. Uh, for me, Pyromaniac. <laughs> you can find all of Sam's social media links as well as those from Ecom Auctions on readthedriven.com. Sam, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care, guys. Wow. Uh, to make that kind of a leap from managing Dana's collection to chief operating officer. 
Yeah, there's a cat that didn't tell you about his mad skills. Yeah, I'm guessing he's being awfully modest with us. Yes, <laughs> it was very kind of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is, because that kind of, just that that kind of move, that, holy crow, he, he really, I, I'm guessing he busted his ass and yeah. didn't bother to mention it. I'm guessing he never says die, and he didn't bring that up either. That is very unusual uh, to have that kind of success in that business. Yeah. And, and congratulations to him. That's really fantastic. Plus, he had some Absolutely. Polaroids of the boss from that one Christmas party. Just what? saying, you know. It reminds me of that first time I got a raise at Pizza Hut. <laughs> I mean, I was on top of the world. You got to use your tools. Slanging that pepperoni, boy. Oh, you boy. damn straight. I look good. I damn skippy in that brown polyester. <laughs> Yeah, with the little golf cap. Oh, God. Yeah, that's oh. how I paid for part of my college. Oh, that's wow. it. That's how you yeah, do it. Chicks uh, dug yeah. it. <laughs> I, I, dug, I delivered pe- pizzas for Minsky's in my own car with no sign on the roof. Oh, wow. This is way early. And Was uh, it in the Berlinetta? No, it was between the Berlinetta and everything good. Uh, it was in a Skylark. Oh, yes. Hey, hey, oh. hey. Solid little car. 84, 86. Come uh, on, come on. Is it the sexy box? 88. That's what I'm talking Eight, about. Grandpa's Cracker Jack. It was the Buick version of a Grand Am. <laughs> Although, did have the quad four, would do solid front wheel burnouts. Oh, that's fun. Oh, there yes. Okay. But uh, I was driving around in my Grateful Dead t shirt and. Oh, that's just, screw you have. That's rolling sex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, did you order this? <laughs> wow, this went off off track. <laughs> Sam, thank you for being yes, with us. Sam, thank you, uh, and thank you for spending time with Driven Radio. We really love what we do. If you can't tell it, you're just not listening. <laughs> Uh, but we wouldn't be able to do it without our listeners. Uh, you all are the best, and we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and you can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt. Yep. And Mr. Mark Groves. Yep. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.